overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on his people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. Hello, and welcome to Embarrassment of Riches. We're back for a fourth season, Laura. Who would have thunk it? I know. You can't stop this train. <laughs> you cannot. Is thunk a word? Well, it, it is in the expression, who would have thunk it? Okay. But um, <laughs> we, we are back for the fourth season of Embarrassment of Riches, and we are super excited because it's not just uh, Laura and I anymore. As I'm we, sure our audience is also super excited about <laughs> yeah, that. Probably so. We are unmasked in a room, in a home. With a friend, Amanda Walls. Hey, Amanda. Hello. Welcome. How are y'all? Good. We Good. are so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Well, um, I think the first time I met you was at a women's retreat. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Okay. And I think maybe you weren't even going to DBC at the time, but you were friends with Stephanie Jernigan. Yes. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? Yeah. I, I did that for actually several years. We were at the village and um, I went to DBC women's ministry stuff, but not the church. So how did you make that transition? Oh gosh. Um, it was our, our old church, the village. Um, it's now called citizens church. It's in Plano. Um, it had moved a little further away and it just made it easier for us to kind of make the cut and, and switch over to DBC. It was, it was such an easy transition when it was the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, our kids love it. We've Mm -hmm. been involved in different ways over the years and it was just real easy. I was on that same women's retreat. It was your first one, my only one. Um, and I remember seeing you like looking pensive, sitting on a bench and like Probably. having quiet times. And I was forging a trail across campus because my body had rejected the women's retreat. <laughs> and I was not willing to have my body rejected in the cabin full of women. So that I was my experience, which is... That. Why I haven't been on another one. I, okay. May never come back. It's okay. <laughs> Probably not. We'll but see. you looked very peaceful that I love weekend. Them. I Tranquil. love the retreats. Yes. I love them too, but not for, uh, but not for that. Like I, I'm, I'm like medium because even though I am a little bit more, I'm using like a raise the roof motion of like, I like to have fun. I like to be around people. Um, I don't, I don't actually love like the big, like icebreakers or the mm-hmm. games or any, I don't really love that stuff. I'll do it, but that's not really, <laughs> that's not really my thing. I just love being there and then like hanging out with friends, yeah. meeting new friends, like uh, in, in a, in a kind of beautiful environment. So I agree with that. Yes. I'm pretty, um, what do you call it? We're, um, uh, you're not super outgoing, introverted. but I'm an extroverted introvert. Oh, so. You're an ambivert? Yes. There we go. I never knew there was a word to it. That's an exciting. An ambivert. I feel like a lot of nines are ambiverts. I'm a two. You are? Mm-hmm. I could Me see too. that too. I could mm-hmm. see that too. Me too. I'm also an ambivert. <laughs> I I don't know that word. I feel I cautious now. about using it. <laughs> um, but I, I 
can enjoy both. So maybe I am also. Although when my husband told me about the men's retreat that he went on that same year and he's like, we ate steak and played basketball and 42. And I'm like, can I go on that one? Can I join <laughs> I in on that, cool one? on that one as well? <laughs> yes. I am not an ambivert at all. Oh, no, you're a solid extrovert. I'm a solid extrovert. Yeah, I was, I don't know you that well, but I feel like I know well enough to know that. Yes. And, but I also think that there's like a misnomer that extroverts, like, I think it's more about like energy drive and energy suck. Um, because it, like sometimes, no offense introverts, but I think, I feel like sometimes introverts are like, I just don't like small talk as if anyone likes small talk no one likes small Nobody talk does. it's just i tolerate it better than you do gotcha. right? like that makes an, sense an extrovert doesn't would much rather talk to like a friend and have an interesting conversation than like what do you do for a living <laughs> what do you do for a living you know <laughs> yeah i feel like those are conversations where i thrive like <laughs> keep you it and I, nice you and, and i talking about shampoo <laughs> Um, but I think that's because maybe the nature of my job feels like heavy conversation. Oh yeah. All day long. Well, I'm I not saying I don't. Does. I'm not saying I don't like um, frivolous conversation. <laughs> as I, as I said, what's the expression? Hair, clothes, other people's business. Uh-huh. Those are my favorite <laughs> topics. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but I'm just, I'm just saying like the forced, like I am having to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about you. So I'm going to like the meet and greet at the beginning yeah. of church per se. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, yeah, How I try long to, have you I gone like to church hide here? That 12 years. Sometimes feels oh. like I go into the mental fetal position and Absolutely. rock back and forth. It's at like, least my husband it, and I both do. It's yeah. better at Dallas Bible than it was at Irving Bible because like I, the, at Dallas Bible, at least you like normally are like, oh, I've seen you at such uh-huh. and such. Oh yeah, or, Irving Bible, you may not. Oh, yeah. yeah. At Irving Bible, you're like, how long have you been going to church here? Are you new? We've been here for 15 years. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That literally happened to Kaylin and I like three weeks ago. We're like, at TBC. Oh. Y'all have? Yes. We're like, you have? I feel like you're a very recognizable family. <laughs> um, the family that we were talking to. And now we've seen them, of course, every Sunday. So we just weren't very observant. But we were sitting in a different place. I feel like People if you shift in, where you oh, yeah. sit, it can feel like a completely different That'll church. change it up for sure. Yes. Um, well, I don't plan on us having um, small talk today. I and welcome we, that. We, um, we don't know you well. And I am very excited to hear your story. Um, and I think I... You said you're an open book, open so book. I would love to just turn it over to you to just tell us a little bit about you, your story. Um, Gosh, that's a big. That's I know. Broad, yeah, tell us everything. Everything. Maybe ever. maybe quick a quick overview of just kind of childhood, teen years, um, and then you How can you kind of dive into it. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's kind of a long story, but um, that's okay. Let's see. So, I grew up in Oklahoma. That's where I'm from, Norman, um, Oklahoma. Did not go to OU. I'm not much of an OU fan, sadly. Um, but I uh, grew up in Oklahoma. My parents were um, really loving. My mom was amazing, um, uh, but uh, they divorced when I was three, and that was really, it was really ugly. Uh, even at three, I remember ugliness mm. about that, and it was never That's not funny. ugly. Um, and so, you know, that was a lot to deal with at any age um, growing up. And then um, I lived with my mom um, for a good part of my childhood and then moved in with my dad and my stepmom around the age 10. Um, my dad was an alcoholic, a police officer, um, and like I said, he, he was really loving, but he had some major issues, um, some major, major issues and some 
very undiagnosed but very um, predominant bipolar one um, and dealt with that I'm assuming with his drinking and stuff Mm -hmm. like that Um, so that was really difficult um, going through I didn't learn any of that about the bipolar until I was probably 24 my dad finally figured it out and the doctor kind of helped him figure it out Um, anyway so there was that Uh, my brother and I grew up not very close at all uh, that was due to um, just some family dynamics with my dad and my stepmom, and they didn't really foster that relationship real well. I, I could say more, but it's probably easier just to kind of say it that was, way. It, did you grow up in the same household as your brother? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, always. Yeah, we were always together. And there um, was just maybe some, like, splitting going on or yes. competitive stuff? Or... Um, it was kind of due to the adults. Yeah. Um, they kind of yes. kept us pretty... Pit, pitch you against one yeah. another. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, and that's hard to navigate at any age, it, especially yeah. when you're little. For sure. Um, but thankfully my brother and I are really close now, which has really been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I came to faith, um, and I knew nothing about, like, I learned about Easter and what Easter meant when I was about 25, like had no idea, like even what wow. it was about. Um, I just knew there were Easter eggs and bunnies and all the cute stuff. But, um, so I knew nothing about the Lord or anything. I went to college, played basketball in college and, um, oh, I didn't know that. Loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Um, A&M Corpus Christi. They are not very good now, but we were good when I was there. <laughs> you played college basketball. That's impressive right, that's, enough. Yes. Um, one of the short ones um, on the team. Uh, but okay, so backing up a little bit, I didn't come to faith until I was 25. So, but leading into that, I came out as a lesbian when I was 14 or 15. 15. Would have been 15. Um, and I kind of got yanked out of the closet per se. Mm-hmm. Um, by my dad and my stepmom, they found a note. It was ugly and went really, really bad. Eventually, I did get kicked out of my house um, when I was almost seventeen, I guess. Um, went because to, of that. Yes, um, oh because of that. And um, it was just, it just didn't. My dad, I loved giving the benefit of the doubt. He just didn't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just went really bad. And, and it sounds like he didn't have the skills no. to handle his own life. So right. that probably just wasn't even, there was no margin for that. And I, you know, I think being a police officer for him, he really had only seen the, the bad of everything Mm -hmm. on every, you know, any mark of society. I think he'd already always seen the bad, but, um, but yeah, I came out and was very out for gosh, nine, 12 years, probably. Mm Um, uh, yeah, about 12, 12 years, 13 years. Um, I try not to be soft-spoken, by the way. I'm yeah, trying. you're doing great. You're okay, doing great. You're, you're projecting fantastic. well. Um, but uh, I, so I go through college, play ball, um, very out, very anti-Christian, as a matter of fact. Like, just didn't have – I remember one of the people I was dating said she was a believer, and she said something about us being sinners, um, not because of what we were doing, but she was just talking in general. Mm-hmm. We were in study hall. And I was so offended. Just be, I was so offended. I was like, how are you, who are you going to call me a sinner? Like, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Um, I was so offended by that. But later on, um, I came across, um, a woman quite a bit older than me. Um, also a believer. This is a theme. This will be a theme uh, throughout Mm -hmm. my story is that, um, the Lord put believing, but lesbian women in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really weird, but, um, came across, um, her, and are uh, very providential and oh incredibly (laughs) yeah incredibly it's beautiful it's really kind of a cool way that he uses different kind of people and Mm -hmm. to bring you to faith Uh, but so came across this woman and 
she, we were dating and I, this was is the older woman, the older woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoyed our dating relationship. She was really great. Um, it's probably the healthiest relationship I had been in up to that point. Um, just a really, it was going really well. Um, but we started to read, she wanted me to read the purpose driven life with her. It's when it mm-hmm. first came out, it was really big. Mm-hmm. And I was yes. like, Oh dear God, no, please. Like, I don't want Laura to read it. Laura loves that book. I love that book. <laughs> I do now. But That's just making fun of me because I, in like our very first podcast episode ever, I tried to speak Christianese, which I don't do well <laughs> at all. And I said purpose driven. And that was now oh, four years ago, awesome. and I've never been able to get away from it. Just like me making a mistake of, about not knowing if Micah was Old Testament or New Testament. Also, side okay. note, Micah is one of my daughter's names. So <laughs> That's the only reason why it's super I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> so now I can't bring it up all season. Yes, I beat you way? to it. Okay, that is awesome. Okay, anyway, you were going to okay, read sorry. The Purpose Driven Life. I was going to read The Purpose Driven Life. I was super against it because I didn't. But I, I wanted to, I have a, this also another theme is that growing up, um, and into my adulthood, like I want to impress people. I want mm. to, um, get their, um, approval. I did it with all my coaches, every, every adult or authority figure. It was very, very big to me to try to get their approval. You're a two. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, and so it was important to me to get her approval in mm. a lot of ways. And she was older and I tried to emulate myself, you know, try to be like her. Mm. And, um, anyway, so I ended up reading the book and I went and I remember like, like just did not want to go buy a Bible, but really needed to because it, they were talking about the Bible in this book and, you know, so I went and bought a Bible and this weird translation. I had no, I went to half price books. There were so many translations, Mm -hmm. did not know what to do. Um, but I grabbed this one. It looked fun and, uh, grabbed it and I started reading my Bible with this book and I would ask her different questions and she would answer them. And, um, she started giving me other, um, like some Max Lucado, Lucado, however you say it, Mm -hmm. books and, um, started reading everything I could. Um, about this Christian thing, this Jesus guy, um, of which I had heard about, but not in a very, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of different deep ways. Well, and at that point, Christianity pro- felt like a source of disapproval and yes, judgment to you. very much. I mean, my dad, um, he had used, and he wasn't, um, he may have been a believer when he died, but I don't know mm-hmm. um, when I was young. Um, but he had used different Bible things against me when I oh. came out and um, it was like really, so it was a weapon. It was a weapon for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and I had been, I had been around some people I would consider bigoted in, in different ways in that, in that sense. And, um, been called different names, playing basketball and, um, you name it. It's probably, I've probably been called it. Um, but so that's kind of where I'm coming from, um, with the Christian, um, ideas that I have in my head. So anyway, so reading the Bible and I come across, um, John 10 and Jesus is talking about, his sheep knowing his voice and, um, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thinking and I had an actual feeling of not fear, but it was like sadness almost. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a little afraid here. I don't know your voice. Mm-hmm. And it like just dawned on me right then that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So it was like one of the coolest moments I was laying on my bed in my apartment. I lived in Houston. I had moved to be closer to, to my girlfriend at the time. Um, I was from Oklahoma to Houston and, um, lived by myself. Um, but yeah, it was a really big moment, um, of like my eyes just kind of opening, but I was still very much, no, God made me this way. I, I know I was born this way, um, gay. And so there's no way that he's going to change that. And I remember telling my girlfriend that we were on the phone and she still lived three hours away. 
And um, I said, well, God made me this way. He's not going to, he, he can change everything else about me, but he's not going to change something that he made. Mm. And she's like, you don't know what God can do. And she hung up on me. <laughs> I was like, look mm. at girlfriend. It's like, what's <laughs> happening to me right now? Um, but so after that, I started going to church, um, which I will admit, I started going to Joel Osteen's church. <laughs> But <laughs> hey, we don't judge here. Thank We're you, not those kind of Christians. Of kinds, yeah. It does. It takes all kinds of kinds. And um, didn't stay there very long um, until I started looking for other churches. And then my dad in 2006 um, on Father's Day, it'll be 15 years this year, he committed suicide. Um, and so that, um, that was awful. Mm. And um, my girlfriend at the time, she put me, same woman, she... Um, Finally, I get on a plane to go up to Oklahoma for the funeral and for this to set it up and get everything going. And um, I didn't know what to do. I just knew I needed my Bible. Um, she goes, she, she put me on the plane. She goes, it's when you used to be able to, um, what could you go up to the plane? Maybe not in 2006. Um, but she um, handed me my Bible and she's like, read the Psalms. And I was like, where is that? Um, but I found it and read it. And that's what I clung to mm. for a good while um, dealing with my dad's death. And I say dealing, I actually didn't deal with it much until probably about five years ago. Um, and it hit me really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but You're in crisis mode at first, you just have to make oh, yeah. it through. Yeah, that's totally, it's kind of what I did. I'm, I'm a big avoider. Mm-hmm. If I can avoid, I'll probably try to avoid it. Um, not as bad as I used to be, but mm-hmm. lots of counseling later. It's sure. been much better. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I ended up moving to Oklahoma where I subsequently get fired from a job. Um, and then I moved to Dallas for a really low paying, terrible job, but it was, <laughs> it was another, Those are the best. yes, it was great. It's where you learn the most. Usually. I did learn a lot. Um, but another girl I had started dating cause yet again, nobody was going to change who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, you got to go to this church. You got to go to the village. And I was like, okay. Um, so I started listening to sermons as Matt Chandler and he sounded so angry <laughs> Um, so like mad, he was just so animated mm-hmm. that you can't tell on a, on a He's podcast. Intense. As He's my intense. mom, as my mom always said growing up, I'm not angry. I'm being emphatic. <laughs> I say passionate. He's very emphatic. I say passionate, passionate too. Yes. Would fit. yes. Yeah. Um, but I ended up going and, um, was there for about a year, uh, before I was sitting in a sermon about men as husbands that I thought had nothing to do with me. Mm. And, um, he is talking about Genesis one. Um, I don't even remember the context he was talking about, but, um, he was talking about Genesis one and, um, how he just quoted, he said, male and female, um, I made you in, in our image. I made you male and female. Um, mm-hmm. I made you basically. And, um, I should know that word for word by now, but I don't. Um, but it dawned on me that I couldn't. Um, in the relationships and in my heart, the way that I was reflecting God's image, I couldn't reflect his image rightly with two of the same gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just how it clicked with me. It clicks mm-hmm. with different people, different ways, or sometimes it doesn't click at all. And, sure. um, but that's how it clicked with me. And I remember going home and calling my mom who I don't think was a believer then if she was, it was very, um, she didn't quite understand some things, but, um, but I called her and I was like, mom, I think I get it. Mm. I think I understand this. Um, and she, uh, she's like, well, I've always kind of wondered, I don't, I've never thought you were going to get what you wanted going the direction you were going. Mm. And she never judged me. My mom didn't. She was always super loving. And that's who I lived with after my dad kicked me out. And, um, she's always said she didn't understand it necessarily, but she never was going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't, uh, but so I figured, I, I figured out 
that about God's image and, and reflecting that. And, um, that was really pivotal for me. And, um, that was in 2007, 2008 rolls around and I end up getting really angry with the Lord because I had lived an entire year basically just white knuckling it. And mm-hmm. I was being a good Christian. I was abstaining from dating women. I was abstaining from had anything. You, you had you had already become a believer at this point? Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. I was a believer. Um, but And feeling like a believer who's trying to be obedient, but yes. white knuckling it in, yes. in obedience. In obedience, yeah. And I think what it, what it really was, I was trying to be obedient, but my heart still was not in it. My heart was not totally changed yet in that respect. Um, I do believe I had genuine faith. Mm-hmm. Um but I just think that hadn't changed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to 2008, got really angry with the Lord because I was still gay mm-hmm. in my heart. I was still, um, felt like I would never be married because of this. And all the people around me were married or getting married. Um, and that wasn't a desire of mine. I just knew that if I wasn't ever going to go that direction, that was, it just felt, what was your life going to look like? Yeah. It just felt like really unfair. Um, and my dad was still dead. Nothing changed, obviously, yeah. there. And um, that he died the way he died, which was, detrim- you know, horrible. Well, you start asking, isn't this faith supposed to make things better? Yes, Like, isn't absolutely. this supposed to make life? And, it, yeah, you feel cheated. I, I did. I felt very cheated. And I felt like the Lord had really not done his job. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Screw this. Pardon me. Um, I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm just done. Um, and so I, it was kind of slow. It, it happened within a month or two. I had started dating women again. Mm-hmm. Um, I had stopped going to church, but I was, um, still kind of doing a Bible study. So I was still kind of in, but not with my, my life group was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Cause I was very tied into a home group and it was a great home group. Um, but they did not know what to do with me at all. And, um, but it took about seven or eight months. I started dating this woman yet again, a believer, and we were doing um, Beth Moore's um, Breaking Free Study. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. I, it, was, it was a good one. It was a really good one. We were doing it this together. And she ended up breaking up with me because I was getting so far away from the Lord. And she thought that was, she thought she was part of that. So she thought, mm. I, need to, I need to let you go so you can get back with the Lord, basically. And um, was heartbroken again. Um, but it was, it was like life changing the the fact that she did that and the Lord kind of orchestrated it that way because that eventually I ended up on, in my apartment on my face after a couple of weeks, I was just like, like I couldn't get her off my mind and it wasn't in, in sort of any sort of sexual way or anything like that. It was just the emotional ties I think that you make, um, especially with women. And, um, I was begging the Lord. I was just begging and I, I was reciting verses over and over and begging for him to take this away and he wouldn't. Um, and I remember being on my face one day and literally on my face. Cause Beth Moore had said, I was such a new believer. Beth Moore had mm-hmm. said she'd been on her face before. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get on my like face. Get on my face. Yeah, yeah. It's a great idea. Um, so I did. And, um, I, the word, I didn't know my Bible very well, but the word Ephesians came to mind. And so, um, I was like, well, that can't be for me. Cause I don't even know where that's at in my Bible. So I go get up off the floor, go open my Bible, I open up Ephesians and it's saying, who I am. I'm adopted. I'm, mm. the, I'm the Lord's adopted child. I'm his, I'm all these beautiful things about who I am in Christ. And, um, it was about two weeks later that the, um, it wasn't just about that woman. Um, it was my whole identity that literally was just changed. Mm. Um, and I, I will say like at this point, 
most people in my shoes in that particular world, in that particular life, um, with those particular feelings and identities that that doesn't happen very often. Um, I'd say a lot of people are not, I don't want to say stuck, but that's kind of their, their cross to bear. I don't know what to say about that, but, um, that wasn't the road the Lord had for me, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so, um, within two weeks, yeah, I was different. Something had changed. Mm -hmm. Um, and my eyes were opened in different ways and, um, my heart was open in different ways, but closed to old ways. And it was just really crazy. And, um, you could, see, you could see a real marked difference in just yes. the way you felt about the yeah. world and people and relationships. Yep. And Yeah, I no longer, um, I would say like I had, I no longer had attraction for women. Mm. Like it was just gone. Um, I don't know how else to say it. It was just yeah. the weirdest. I mean, I can't say it was weird because I know it was the Lord, but at the same time it was really weird because it was mm-hmm. crazy. Um, I just didn't expect it to happen that way. I sure. expected it to be this lifelong Having struggle. To struggle, having to put it to death all the time, white all the time, all the time. It yes. for the rest white of your life. for the rest of my life, like I had done for a year. Um, and it was just done. Um, and I didn't know it was totally done all at that one moment. I can look back and see that it was totally done. But I like, I was like, well, I guess I'll start dating men now. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> that felt totally out of your wheelhouse. Yeah. Like that hadn't even been. No. Well, yeah. And it, because you were 14. Yes. So it I wasn't never... like you had a lot of experience no. presumably mm-hmm. prior to that. No, I did not. Um, so here I am 25 years old, 26 years old, um, seven, 27. Having never dated men. Having never mm-hmm. dated men. And at, in, in reality, having been terrified of men, mm-hmm. I'd only seen them abuse and hurt and wound the women in my life from generations back up through me and my, um, my dad. And, um, so Mm. it was scary. Um, but I did go on some dates with some guys and, um, it was, I still felt like, okay, Lord, I know you changed a lot in me, but this still feels really weird. There's Mm. like nothing natural about this at all. Um, and then, um, in January, that might just be dating. It's, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're it totally is the worst. Right. It is absolutely it is the worst. worst. I remember, um, you know, my, my, my friend Amy, uh, so she, I, she, she didn't get married until she was like 40. And so she went on a lot of first dates. And sure. I remember one time her sitting in our, our dining room, she was, had come to Dallas and was staying with Kyle and I, and, um, she, I walked into the, into the dining room and she just had her hand, her face in her hands. And I was like, Amy, what's wrong? And she's like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to go on another first date. Uh-huh. And she was going on a date with somebody that night. It's just, it's kind of awful. It's yeah. like pretty it's, awful. And it's especially complicated when you're dating men for the first time, you have a whole history of men are not safe. Yes. Yes. Totally. So it's all new and weird and hard. It's all new, weird and hard. Yes. All those things. Um, but in January of 2009, I met this guy named Brandon, who's now my husband. Um, and it was like, it it was so different. Mm -hmm. I mean, every, from, from the minute I met him, he came, I was a a boot camp trainer and a personal trainer. And, um, he came to my boot camp with a friend who wanted us to meet. And I was like, please don't bring a guy to my work and, Mm -hmm. um, came anyway. And it was, and from the minute I met him, I just, there was something about him. And then we, we talked for four hours that day, I think at coffee and, um, I knew that night that we would get married. Oh, wow. And, and he knew that night or the day, one of the ne- next few days, he was like, mm-hmm. that's who I'm going to marry. Um, so we get married and, um, in 2009, we get married four months later. So we meet and get married. Oh, four wow. Months. <laughs> oh, we wow. Were you were not messing we around. We were not messing around. <laughs> You're like, oh. strike while the iron's yes. hot. Yes. God gave me this guy. <laughs> Things are good. Let's great do guy. this. Let's do it. Um, 
but I, we both knew he was, we were, we were it. And so we got married and, um, within a year and a half, I was pregnant with Addie, my, our mm-hmm. older daughter. And, um, I will say that I didn't struggle with attraction, um, or anything to do with my gay life, but I still struggled with identity. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. who am I? Who am I really in Jesus? Well, now I'm a wife. Now I'm a mother. Now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all these things. Um, so I always had to have this label to it. I just never could quite feel totally comfortable with exactly who I was. Um, that plays out later, but, um, so have my, have Addie. Well, then I figure out, um, I go into some pretty serious postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't know that until after Taylor was born the next year. Cause they're 14 months apart. Like Irish twins. Oh yes. My um, had them very fast and, um, but yeah, I didn't know I was, had some, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I finally, several years later, which is just a couple probably three years ago, find out I'm bipolar too. But mm-hmm. that didn't come out of me. It didn't start like surfacing until I had kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a whole new, oh my gosh, am I going to be like my dad? Am I going to be, mm-hmm. like, all these things start popping up. Um, so I struggled with it. I got a medication. Which well, it I'm, must have been terrifying because you had seen a father who yes. self-medicated with that. alcohol. Yeah, yeah you saw the worst of it. Absolutely. And then he killed himself. Does the ultimate, which, yeah. You have daughters now. You don't want to do that. So yeah, that is really heavy. Yeah, it was heavy. It was scary. Um, I knew, obviously, I, like I said, I knew something was wrong. Um, but when my psychiatrist finally said, she's like, I think this might be what's going on. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'd had a doctor mention it years before and I started crying in his office mm. as soon as he said it. He's like, uh, it was just my regular doctor. Never mind. Never mind. Let's just go back to the way it was before. He kind of did that. <laughs> Um, so yes, it was a hard topic. Um, but I, I've accepted that now it's okay. Now I'm on medication Mm -hmm. and will be for the rest of my life. And that's just part of how how it is. And, um, I I think the combination of those two things, acceptance and medication is the best way to walk through a bipolar diagnosis. Right. I agree with that. Instead of trying to be in denial or one of you know, Men, run away from it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think I, I, I'm so glad that like you bringing that up because I, I, I would say like professionally for me, sometimes that's the hardest thing is like people come to us for help, but they also come to us for a label. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. And, and the thing is like, there, there's certain, there, there's certain diagnosis that I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want you to wear this label. Right. Like, I like, and that like, it isn't a label. Like, I think there's there's an idea in people's mind that like if you're bipolar, your life is automatically spun out of there's control. There's this predestination, and, and it's, it, right? And it's and it's just like it's just going to be horrible. And and honestly, that's not the experience of a mm-hmm. lot of people that are treated absolutely like, like medically treated for. Yeah, it. that's like, just not the that's not the trajectory of their life necessarily. Not at all. But when you hear it that's what you think it feels and that's like what, a death that's sentence. like yes. so sometimes I'm like I, I hate to even say things out loud I, and you know another like uh, borderline personality mm-hmm. I hate mm-hmm. to tell people that I used to never tell people that right because I was like I don't want them to live into that I don't mm-hmm. want them to feel like it, this yeah, is who I, I am totally except that I that like I that that I did kind of figure out a way to like talk to people about that mm-hmm. like that that information is actually really helpful yeah. if you if you, I, I use a Laura Pace term all the time with them about outsourcing mm-hmm. their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Like, because, because I think when, when you, when you know those 
categories, when you know those labels, you realize you don't have to be that. Totally. Right. Um, but that's going to be something that you're going to deal with. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some, that's a place where I'm at now. I think the first couple of years, it was really hard. I didn't want to accept it. I mean, I still, every now and again, I'll ask my psychiatrist. I know her really well now because I've been going for several years. I'm like, are you sure? Are you? <laughs> feel are really you healthy. Totally sure. <laughs> and she's like, no, that's, that's you talk. That's your bipolar talking because mm-hmm. you're trying to, you know, um, uh, trying to go I don't off, need to be on medication. I've tried to go off medication <laughs> yeah. so many different times. She's like, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Although I always fine. tell people, no, I'm not encouraging people to go off medication when they need to be on medication, but whenever they come back tail between their legs, like I went off my medications and the wheels came off. And, I did. You know, I've done it like I, several times. I mm-hmm. always say, Hey, this is a good, like the good ne- the good news is you know what happens. Absolutely. Right. Like, and totally. And, and you, sometimes you need to know. And you know what works. Yeah. You like, know, you what know works. like, Hey, yeah. this is not something you're choosing. This is something chemically going on. And we have found something Very that true. works I to address that it. That. Yeah. yeah. I love that you said that. Um, that's just, and I, you know, I, I know that for my girls too, like my daughters that later on, if this is something that they are going to deal with that, I can talk to them in a different ways mm-hmm. that I would never have been able to talk to if uh, the Lord not helped me kind of like mm-hmm. come around to this. Like, it's okay. It's not mm-hmm. a, it's that my trajectory of my life is not doomed or whatever, like right. you were saying mm-hmm. before. Um, some people live in that, but, um, I have had people say that, I'm depressed or I'm, I'm struggling with depression and all these de- and anxiety because, um, I'm still gay. Really? I've mm-hmm. had people say that, um, gay people that are, mm-hmm. and I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone thinks that. They but think I, you're just fighting that. Yes. And that is manifesting as depression. Yes. Um, I've had that said about it, um, before I've had, um, people just be not very nice in that respect. But, um, I would say, um, and I bring that up just because we, the, my, the village, my old church did a story, um, on me and it was read by, I don't know how many thousands of people. And so mm-hmm. there were lots of different comments about mm. that. So, um, I bring that up just to say that that's, uh, I mean, that could be totally true of some people, but I know yeah. Well, and I think sure. that you said that, and I appreciated that you said that, that you said, that's not everybody's story. My right. story is not everybody's story. Absolutely. I I don't think you're saying like, so go like and pray hard people, enough and pray oh, the gay that's, away. I'm so, yes. And so, but Thank you're you saying, saying that, this yeah. is my story. And, and like, you get to, you get to know your story right, right, better right. than anybody else speaking yes. into it. Um, so there's, there's that on the table now, the bipolar. And, um, but I, I will say now like, because I have the right medication, it's taken years to get on the right, like, formulations of things and different um, cocktails of whatever medications I'm on. And um, it's been, uh, I tried to go down on one medication recently, and that went really bad. So I was like, okay, <laughs> fine, I need to be all in all of it. Yes, abort mission, big time. Um, but I, you know, now I, I'm so grateful that this is the path the Lord has me on with all of that. Um, cause I can, like I said, I can talk to my girls about it. I can talk to other people about it. Um, now, um, I will say the last couple of years has been, it's all, it'll be three years in September and my mom passed away, um, in September of 2018. And so that dealing with that grief, um, and coupled with, you know, struggling with depression, mm-hmm. I think that's been really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a really, really hard thing to walk through. And the grief has been so totally different than with the grief dad. with my dad, yeah. um, on an nth degree scale of just totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, well, and I think just from what I do know about you, that was a close friendship with oh, her. Yeah. And, Big time. and, 
and it was like that's such a a double loss of your mom. Yes. You feel the pain for your children, like not knowing their grandma. Oh, big time. And a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, and your safe space. Uh-huh. Very safe. She was the one safe space. Yes. Um, and so I think with her passing, I've had to grow up a lot. Mm-hmm. I've had to kind of be an adult. Because, you know, when you have your mom around, you're like, Mom, how much of this do I put in this recipe? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mm-hmm. God, the kid has this thing on her face. What is it? Or mm-hmm. you, you name it. You can call your mom. Now you got to go to Dr. Google. Uh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, or I, you know, have to ask random people that may not know. And, mm-hmm. you know, moms know everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that has been, that's been a really tough road the last couple of years. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, dealing with the grief and I thought mm-hmm. I'd be further along by now cause it's been almost three years. So I have this idea of like, I would never put this, this timeline on anyone else. But mm-hmm. for me, I have this idea that I should be further along in my grief than I am. Like I should be more okay than I am, but mm-hmm. it kind of is what it is right now. And I think that you seem like you're really good at fighting back on lies that feel easy to believe for sure. And grief is so complicated and nuanced and different for everybody. And I've been telling clients lately that there is, there is no, absolutely no timeline. There is no, and like you said, like we all have different standards for other people where you would probably say this to somebody else. Yes. I told you. There is no timeline. There is no milestone of where you should be. Um, when, when you lose someone that you love. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really true. I think I still have been super shocked by how different it is than when my dad passed. It's been, Mm -hmm. that was such a different relationship. We were on an upward, he and I were on an upward trajectory of becoming closer and having Mm -hmm. an actual father daughter relationship, um, after lots of hurts and lots of different pains, um, of, of things we had gone through, but, um, it was headed up for sure. But, um, yeah, with my mom, it was just, it was just totally devastating and it was super sudden. Mm -hmm. uh, So it wasn't like a, I mean, it was a, I got a phone call at one, one o'clock in the morning and have to drive up to Oklahoma in the middle of the night praying and, um, kind of situation. She was gone by 10 a.m. that morning. Yes. So just both sudden death, but different, very different. Yeah. So that's where I am now. I'd say just stuck in the middle of grief. So, and you were saying to, um, you kind of had these different pockets of your life where you had a label or a title. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gay. I'm wife. A mom, yep, and that you kind of wrestled with, what is my, what is my permanent identity? identity. Sure. Um, can you tell us kind of a little bit about where you are with that? Sure. And what that journey's been like. Um, I would say that my mom's death has actually helped with that. Mm. Um, in that, I have never felt so loved, um, never felt so near, and. Um, yeah, I think to the Lord as I have in these last two and a half years. Um, and so that has helped, I think, solidify in a lot of different ways who I really am mm-hmm. in that I'm the beloved. I am Christ's mm-hmm. own. I am, you know, I'm, I'm a daughter. I'm, and I think being a daughter has been a hard one to, to grab onto because I don't have any parents. Um, mm-hmm. So you would think that'd be easy to grasp onto because mm-hmm. it's like, well, he's my father. But mm-hmm. um, I think that it's been easier the last two and a half years to, to grab onto who I really am in Jesus. Um, it sounds, I feel like that sounds corny when you say it that way, but I don't know how else to say it. I said purpose driven in an episode, so you're good. <laughs> okay, good. Same place. Um, I never say anything. <laughs> um, but I, I would say now it's, it's been easier to, um, 
forget all the labels that mm-hmm. I've tried to place on myself over the years and just rest. It's really simplifying it. Yes. Of just like baseline. Yeah. This is where I can rest yep. in this. Yeah. This and is that's my a, permanent that's label. Been a hard, that's been a hard place to get to. Mm-hmm. It's been really hard. And you think it'd be easier to, to want to rest and to be make it simple like that, but it's been a hard place to come to. Mm-hmm. What, um, n- like now kind of landing there, what, what, what do you see your role in the church as your like gifting? Like what, what, what do you, what do you feel like your place is or your call or your yeah. purpose? Mm-hmm. That's it. My <laughs> purpose. Um, that's a hard question. That was the one question that I actually was like texting friends. I was like, maybe you can tell me about <laughs> What's this. My purpose? What, what do I do here? Mm-hmm. Um, what is it I'm good at? Um, so at our old church, I served in the recovery program and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, needed a break after about five years cause it's, it's heavy. super That's, heavy. Yes. Um, especially if you're a two carrying mm-hmm. the gosh. weight of, I learned people's. how to do that in a healthy way, in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. And I definitely am veering toward the healthy way now. Mm-hmm. Um, but learned the hard way. So, um, served in that capacity as a leader for five years and loved it. And I will be honest and say that I've really struggled at our church trying to figure out kind of where I fit because, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know where the Lord wants to use the, the ways that I'm wired in that. Mm -hmm. I love to, um, this always sounds sadistic or weird, but I love to sit with hurting people, Mm -hmm. love to be with them. Um, and I, it's not letting, it's not even that I get it, that I've been hurt a lot of times. It's just the fact that I really just enjoy being able not to be their person, not to be that for them, but to walk alongside someone who's in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, like I said, I don't know where that, I don't know where I fit yet, I guess mm-hmm. is my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think truly this is one of those places, your willingness to tell your story right. and not, yeah. and to like writing at like, writing out your story with the village, doing this to just a blind audience and yeah. opening yourself up to True. allowing God to use your story, but also to some hard feedback potentially sure. is a way that you can be used. Um, I think it's really funny right before you got here, Jess was reading an email from you that you were, you said, um, I think you ended it with like, honestly, sometimes I don't know if I have a story or what. Yeah, and I'm I like, don't. girl, you got a story. <laughs> you got a story. And we're so thankful that you shared it. And I think that it, that is your gifting. Like you just laid out some things. And you know, with with the issue of homosexuality, there's, it's so loaded. And it it's, and it's a really um, big topic yeah. right now. And everybody's got a different opinion about it. So it can be scary to put yourself it's out there. It's a little terrifying. Has that, has that been difficult for you in the church at all? Like, um, not where I've come from, not at the, at the village. It certainly wasn't. Um, and at the, at DBC, I can't say that it has been cause I haven't really been in any situations where I've told a lot of people mm-hmm. I am now, Yeah, but <laughs> welcome. Hello. Yes. Here I am. If you haven't met me, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, I, I mean, it was really hard the day my story came out with the village because mm. there was such um, negative feedback. Really, uh, from people outside the church, um, thinking you're judging, you're just another yes. Christian that isn't accepting of homosexuality, right. um, right. and yeah. you're making people think that you can make this go away or yes. whatever. I'm, okay. Yes, they're like there's reparative therapy or something mm-hmm. that can be done, and I would never ever advocate for anything like that. Like mm-hmm. I said, or you've said too, like, this is my story and 
this is just how the Lord has chosen for me to come about being where I'm at right now. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there was such negative feedback that day and that week following, um, just such anger toward, I mean, it wasn't even just, it was personal. It was, it could be very personal toward me. And, um, I remember one of our pastors, he's so sweet. Um, Michael Snetzer at the village, he came up to me and he, um, put his hand on my shoulder and it was that it was, we had recovery that evening. Mm. And he said, um, he said, how does it feel to be able to suffer for the name of Jesus? And I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. This is though this will be okay. Mm-hmm. Like whether or not this goes south even more or whether it gets better or whatever. I was mm-hmm. like, this is, this will be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, this is worth it. I mean, it feels terrible, but I can, oh, it I felt can terrible. do this. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I, and I, tried... I, I, I hate what's happening, yes. but I can also embrace it as right. like God yeah. can and use I, it. I'm glad you said that because I think there's a really easy way, especially what I think with Christianity is that the way people can portray things is like, well, it's all for the good of the kingdom or it's all for the good. And you kind of discount how terrible something mm-hmm. really feels in the moment. So I'm yeah. glad you said that. Cause it really was, it was hard. I tried, like, I didn't want to read the comments, but I totally wanted to read the comments mm-hmm. and I totally shouldn't have read the comments, but mm-hmm. I did. Um, and I tried to, I was like, told my family, I was like, don't read the comments cause you're going to get really angry or mm-hmm. really sad or really upset. Um, but, uh, all that to say, I just, I'm still really grateful that I did that. And I, I have like, to be honest, I'm, I'm a little afraid for when my kids get older, like, mm-hmm. are people going to read it and then judge them for it? I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, but I can, I can surely tell them that it's, it will be worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that they'll be able to tell their stories, whatever it looks like later mm-hmm. when they're older. Well, yeah. and I, I think I, um, I think, I think I have mentioned this before on, on the podcast. I have, I have been very lucky to, um, have really always been parts of church bodies that I feel like are safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, like I don't go to church where ragamuffins aren't welcome. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like I, I've just, uh, like if, if having an open mic night at the church is not very dangerous at this church, right. that's not where I'm going. I agree with okay. that. Like that, like totally, there's gotta be a loose cannon in mm-hmm. this room. I feel and, like, yeah. Yes. And I think DBC is one of those places. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. I, mm-hmm. I do too. But I, I like, not that I, we have loose cannons running around. Well, we, we probably, could. We, we do. Probably do. Yeah, right. yeah. And that's and, okay. And I mean, because that's who you, God's calling people at all different stages Absolutely. of life. Mm-hmm. And they're, they are often coming as a train wreck. And, yeah. um, and they don't have a well-formed theology yet right. because they're new believers. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I, I say that to just go, I'm, 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 I'm so hopeful that I feel like hopefully Christians have learned something from the way that they dealt with homosexuality in the nineties for mm-hmm. sure to realize like that was a really terrible way to deal with this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that, and, um, and, 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 like you said, like to, to, res- to respect the struggle of people that are trying to, um, abide. Yeah. Um, it's hard. When, mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when they're, with they're dealt a hand that doesn't look like yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, something with my story and I, that's why I said it the way that I said it is because I do think that the majority of people in, in shoes like mine were, is that it doesn't change. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily get better. And I think that that's, that's a hard road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it's I, a lonely it's road. It's a lonely road for sure. And I think that that's, um, some people think that they're always going to have a story like mine and that's just not true. Mm-hmm. 
there's not everybody has you know a story like that and i'm i'm grateful Which, yeah and she's just like god but, god doesn't heal all illness absolutely. he doesn't like he didn't heal know, my mom right. you know that's you know, i looked at that and he didn't heal my mom mm-hmm. and he could have and you know that's that's just the way that the story is right now yeah so thank you so much for sharing with us and just your openness um, absolutely as somebody who really dislikes my own vulnerability, I very much appreciate it <laughs> in others. So I yeah. appreciate y'all inviting me. This well, has been therapeutic in yeah. a lot of ways. So well, thank you. Well, and I mean, I'm I'm just I'm just w- one of the reasons why we started doing this podcast is is like we want to get to know the women in this mm-hmm. church. Sure, we want to know their that. story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I, everybody does have a story to tell, totally. yeah. and. Um, I mean, yours wasn't much of one, as said in your email, but I mean, you did okay. I always feel like other people have these phenomenal stories that they could totally share, and and I just, yeah, never feel like mine is. So thanks for letting me have a space to tell it. I mean, it was incredible, and um, I I so appreciate how you wove in just the identity piece, and it doesn't have to be a label from our culture saying you are this, right. you are this. It's like, we all have an identity in our savior 100%. and that's enough. Well, it's we, enough. We have a hard stop because Amanda has a tattoo. Ooh, of, cool. Has, oh, I have time. Has, has <laughs> a, so good. a tattoo appointment. Well, what are you getting? So I'm getting a tattoo of my mom's handwriting and mm. it says, love the mom, um, on my wrist with a cross on it. And oh. it's in her handwriting on it from a note she wrote me in college that I, I must have kept for this very purpose. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's going to hurt really bad. Cause yeah, on your wrist. I mean, wrist you just part. pointed like to all those fun the veins. Ouch. Yeah. So it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for letting me um, share and be a part of this. It's been really good. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Embarrassment of Riches. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.